Hallelujah. God's good. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. We have uh, uh, this year uh, been talking about a year of empowerment and uh, talking about a year of growth and development. And um, last uh, couple weeks especially, um, been taking some time uh, talking about who you are in Christ and about renewing our mind uh, to that. Today I want to talk some more. I'm going to kind of still go down that road a little bit. Um, so I might do a little review, and then, uh, but I'd like to talk about, really about things above, having our minds stayed on things above, amen, what that means, all right? And so just uh, hopefully to kind of stir us to uh, keep our thinking right. I said to keep our thinking right. You know, it, you know, you could talk about empowerment all day long, but if you don't keep your thoughts going down the right road, uh, you're not going to see much empowerment. Come on now, we'll just see more, more, uh, more bondage, you know, depending on what we're thinking on anyway. And uh, so anyway, so we want to talk some about that. So with that said, I, I want to go to a verse that we've, we've started with the last, uh, last week, and I, I use it the, even the week before, but uh, Jeremiah 29 again. Put that up there real quick. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. How many know God has thoughts too? Right? Praise God. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. How many know God's trying to give you a future? Come on, and an expected end. That word hope means expected end. Amen. So his thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace, which means wholeness, completeness. The word there is the word shalom, okay, where a lot of times you hear it as a greeting. They use it in some parts of the world. That's their greeting, shalom, shalom, and they, of course, repeat back. And really, it just means wholeness and completeness to you. Amen. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Everything like it should be. Praise God. Everything complete. Amen. That's what that word means. So God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Look at your neighbor and say, no evil here. Praise God. Now, let me, uh, again, I think I did this last week, and I'm going to do it again uh, this week. I think just, just kind of feel led to do this. So, Again, Jeremiah 29 and 11, and uh, says this, uh, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, this word evil, okay, uh, in, my, in my notes here, here's what the word evil means, failure. So God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of failure. All right? This word also means trouble. So God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of trouble. Okay? Sorrow. This word also means sorrow. Okay? So God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of sorrow. Thank you for all that enthusiasm. Come on now. The word also means adversity and calamity. So God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace and not of adversity and calamity. That's not His thoughts towards you. Now, we have an enemy who thinks those thoughts towards you. Come on now. Come on. We might even have a few folks that look at you and might think those thoughts towards you. But God don't think those thoughts towards you. Amen. The word also means distress, affliction, misery, or displeasure. Okay, so God's thoughts towards you are thoughts of of completeness, wholeness, peace, amen, and not of what? Distress, affliction, misery, 
or even displeasure. Amen. So God's thoughts towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future. Amen. Now, how many know you're going to have to believe more in the future that God's trying to give you than your past that the enemy, amen, is trying to remind you of? Come on, somebody. You have to have, you got you to you believe more in your future than you do in your past. Now, that's, it's really a big statement. You might sound like that sounds like a dust statement, but in all honesty, most people are hung up by yesterday or yesteryear uh, more so than they are about tomorrow, you know? And uh, so they get more concerned about things that went wrong or things that happened or didn't go right or whatever or mistakes made, maybe the shame or the guilt or the embarrassment of things and uh, things that have happened. And we've all had those moments, by the way. Well, maybe not all of you, but most of you have. Come on. We've probably all had something back there we wish we could forget about. Come on, somebody, or wish it was just gone. But according to the Word, it says that you're a new creation in Christ, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. Praise the Lord. So he's trying to give you a future, amen, and a hope. With that said, go to uh, Colossians 3, verse, uh, well, for a second time, verse 2. Set your mind. This is what we focused on last week. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind, okay? The word here, set, again, uh, phronio is the Greek word. It means to exercise the mind, to entertain the mind, to interest the mind. Literally means to aim it, amen, to aim or to set the affections of. So you aim your mind. You determine what you're going to think on. Are you with me? So what we brought out last week was, you know, you got a purpose to aim your mind toward his thoughts. Amen. Not what the enemy says, not even what your head wars with. You got to learn to set your mind on things above. Amen. So what does that mean, things above? Well, uh, we, we looked at a couple verses last week, and it means things on the top or higher thoughts or spirit things, God thoughts. Amen. Things above, praise God. Hallelujah. And it says, things above and not on things on the earth. Now, how many know, I mean, we got stuff to do, man. We got things going on. We got a family. We got jobs. We got, you know, we got church. We got, you know, we got bills to pay and sidewalks to scoop. And we got all kinds of things going on. Huh? And it's hard, you know, man, Pastor, you just don't understand. It's hard. We got, got things we got to think about, things we got to take care of, and things we're, we're responsible for, things we're accountable for. Well, absolutely. God knows that better than you do. So he says, if you set your mind on me, set your mind on things above, I'll help you with all those things on the earth. Are you still with me? So he's trying to get us to think on things above, praise God. Hallelujah. Put uh, John, or probably Romans 8. Let's put that one up. Romans 8, verse 5. Again, this is just some verses we used last week. Kind of let's spin into what we're going to do this week. For those who live according to the flesh, or to the natural, it means natural things, they, the reason that they live according to that is because they've set their minds on those things. Amen. But those who live according to the Spirit, in other words, they've set their minds on the things of the Spirit. In other words, they set their mind on things above. Praise God. Verse 6, please, put that up. For to be carnally minded, earthly minded, fleshly minded, naturally minded, it means, 
Amen. To be carnally minded is death. In other words, the end row there is death. All right? It's ruin. It's destruction. If all your mind's always going to be just on earthly things, well, it doesn't end good. I said it doesn't end good. But to be spiritually minded, in other words, to set your mind on things above, higher things, the God things. Amen. We, last week we talked about the Word. Amen. It's real key, right? So set your mind on these things. And what will happen is, amen, you'll, the end of that road is a thing called life and peace. Amen. Now, it's not just talking about someday in the sweet by and by, someday when you get to heaven. It's talking about in this life. Amen. And that word life is the Greek word zoe, which means an absolute life or the God kind of life. And again, the word peace here, uh, of course, in the New Testament, it's the Greek word is irene, which means the same thing as the Hebrew word peace. Amen. Wholeness, completeness. Amen. Nothing missing, nothing broken, everything functioning, everything working like it should. Now, how many know I'd rather end up on that street than death street? Come on, any day. So the key is to keep your mind stayed on things above, praise God. Put verse 7 in there. Because the carnal mind, again, he's trying to bring it out, trying to give you understanding. When your mind's set on things beneath, praise God, what happens is it begins to war against God. It, it, there's enmity against God. And I think I might even define that last week. It means to, uh, to flail, you know, to, it, just, it means you're throwing and thrusting. In other words, God's trying to help and you're too busy swinging and warring with him. All God's trying to do is help you, but he can help you because your mind keeps running down some other road. Come on, right? So, uh, carnal mind is enmity against God. And it says, for it is not subject to the law of God or the ways of God or the principles of God or the word of God. In other words, it, it, and it says, nor indeed can be. In other words, even though God's trying to show you something, even though God's trying to lead you somewhere, even though there is a, a better way, even though there's a better plan, come on, even though there's a higher way, come on, somebody, you won't go down that because you're too busy thinking on other things. Still with me? All right. So these are some of the things that we, we touched on uh, last week and, uh, you know, a little bit the week before. But this week, praise God, we're going to go uh, put John 17 and verse 16 on the board. All right. Now, this was Jesus praying to the Father. Probably, probably could have maybe put a few more verses on this. How many know that you're not of the world? Hmm? Now, Jesus was talking and praying for, uh, for you and me and praying for the, uh, His disciples. Amen. And He says that, you know, even though we're in the world... We're not of the world, right? I mean, we're in this world. I mean, here we are, right? And, uh, you know, we'd like to say, well, why did he just get us out of here? Well, he says that we're here for a reason, amen? But we're not of it. In other words, we might be, you know, here presently standing right now in a system, in a world uh, that's, that's, you know, I mean, it's a seen realm, a seen realm, a seen world, you know, but we're not of it. And he says, they are not of the world. Look at this, just as I'm not of the world. This was Jesus talking. So if Jesus said he's not of the world, and he says, just like I'm not of the world, you're not of the world. So in other words, you're of a whole different realm, a whole different kingdom, a whole different way of thinking. Come on, somebody. Now, the world has a tendency to make you think a certain way. Am I right? Come on now. Now, setting our minds, here's some statements for you today. Setting our minds on things above keeps us in a realm of possibility. But setting our minds on things of this natural realm always keeps us in a realm 
of limits. Now, I touched on this maybe a couple weeks back briefly. And uh, because everywhere around you in this world is a language, so to speak, okay? The world speaks a certain language. And we're not talking about French. We're not talking about Spanish. We're not talking about even English. Come on, somebody. Some would agree I don't even know English all that well. But anyway, praise the Lord. We're not talking about some kind of known language like that. But the world has its own language, and it's a language of limits. Amen. It'll limit you. And the enemy is hoping that that's what you consume yourself with. He's hoping that's what you set your mind on. He's hoping that you think like the world thinks. Come on, somebody. Even though you're a child of God, even though you're heaven-bound, even though you got the greater one on the inside, even though the Word of God will tell you that you're an overcomer, a conqueror, that you're a new creation in Christ, the world will try to tell you different. And even as a child of God, we can war with who we are in Christ because we are too busy setting our minds on things of this world. Are you still with me? To set your mind on things above, you tap a different realm. Amen. That Bible, for instance, in front of you, the B-I-B-L-E, right? Yes, that's the book for me. Amen. Now, it's a language all its own. It's a language of potential. All right? You sit and you meditate on that long enough, pretty soon you tap a realm of possibility. Still with me? By setting your mind on it. Amen. You determine what realm you're going to operate in. I said you determine what realm you're going to operate in. Now, uh, how many believe in an unseen realm? Now, you're Christians. You better. I mean, you know, you know sometimes, you know, we, we know the right answer, but when we're going along, we have a tendency because we're so locked into a seen realm, we forget about an unseen realm. Are you still with me? See, what happens is we get more locked on to how we see things or how we feel about something, all right? And we're not making light of any of it. We're not uh, saying that that thing around you doesn't really exist. Are you hearing me? It's around. But what we're saying to you is this. If you will set your mind on things above, you don't have to operate and function out of a seen realm but out of an unseen realm out of a realm of potential, a realm of possibility. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. There are so many. How many believe all things are possible for God? I mean, really believe it. I mean, really believe it. Okay, all things are possible. How about this? All things are possible to those who believe. A statement that was made, uh, I, I actually like this story uh, about the young boy that was brought to Jesus because he was having epileptic seizures, and um, dad brought him to, uh, to Jesus, and of course at the time Jesus wasn't there. Uh, at first it was just the disciples, so he had the disciples pray over uh, his son, and nothing really seemed to change, nothing seemed to happen, and Jesus showed up and wanted to know what, what was all going on. And so he gets the lowdown of what happened. And so the father comes up and says, you know, here's the deal. I brought my boy uh, to, be, uh, to be healed, and uh, I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do nothing. So I just want to know, can you do anything? You know? Now, I don't believe dad was trying to be sarcastic or mean or rude or crude. I think dad's just kind of overwhelmed with everything that's going on. 
no different than you and me with things that happen in our lives. You got stuff that you're dealing with, stuff that happened. Sometimes something happened you didn't want to happen, and it happened. And here you are now. You know, you're looking at something, staring uh, down the barrel of something, uh, you know, whatever. So it's not that, you know, we're sitting here saying it does not exist, but what we're saying is you're being overwhelmed because you're, you're right now focused on it. Come on, somebody. And that father was focused on his situation. He'd been dealing with this probably for several years. Amen. And so he's looking and, you know, he lets Jesus know. He says, every time, you know, this thing happens, as my boy gets thrown down, sometimes into the water, sometimes even into the fire, goes into these seizures. And he says, man, you know, it's overwhelming. But if you can do anything, heal my boy. Well, Jesus didn't say, hey, just hang on. Let me see if I can drum up something here and get it all worked and fixed for you. What did he say? He said, if you can believe. Dad, if you can believe. All things are possible to those who believe. I just got to get you to believe. I got to get you to lock on to the right thing here. I got to get you to set your mind on the right thing. Don't set your mind on this natural stuff. Set your mind on what can happen right now. Amen. All things are possible to those who believe. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I got to get you to get focused on the right thing. Now, all I'm trying to do here today is to let you know, amen, just by how you think can determine where you go. Romans 8 brings that clear. If you want to live by the natural, no different than the rest of the world, then just think like the rest of the world. If you want to live on a higher place, on a higher plane, hallelujah, live by that unseen realm that's all available for you, then you're going to have to set your mind on those kind of things. Still with me. With that said, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to get all this. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, please. In fact, uh, I know I didn't give, uh, give them the, these verses, but uh, last week we touched on verse 23 of this. For those of you who got your Bibles open, and it says, and being renewed in the spirit of your mind. He's talking about in context, be, be being renewed. And we talk about that renovation that happens by just meditating on the word. And uh, the whole thing in context there, he's dealing with the fact about putting off the old man, putting on the new man. But prior to that, he's talking about how you think. All right, so back up here, verse 17 again. Verse 17 says this, This, uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you, who's he talking to? Now, in context, talking to church at Ephesus, right? But talking to believers, people that are already saved. Are you still with me? So he says, I'm talking to you, okay, that you should no longer walk or conduct life or be occupied with, live life, walk life. That's what he's talking about, conduct life as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Now, a lot of times, you know, some would say, well, we're all Gentiles. There's the Jew and there's the Gentile, but not in Christ. The word, the word Gentile means he without God. And if you have God, then you're no longer, as far as he's concerned, a Gentile. You're a part of a family, part of the household of faith. Amen. You're part of a kingdom. Praise God. You're part of a different realm. You're not of this world anymore. So he's saying this. He says, listen, he said, I'm asking you to not walk like you used to walk. 
Don't conduct life like you used to conduct life. All right? Because things are different now. Amen. So he goes on to say, in the, in the what is it, the futility of their mind. Okay, that word there, um, it means uh, depravity or inutility. It's another word that's used. So I had to look up that word because I had no idea, inutility, right? So what does that mean? Well, it means unprofitable. It means ineffective. It means incapable of producing a right result. He says, he's talking there, he said, listen, in the world, your way of thinking was in, incapable of making a right choice. Now, somebody in the world might take offense to that. But in all honesty, that's where we were. A lot of our decisions wasn't right, right? We thought based on, you know, how we were raised. We thought based on, you know, what was said over the airways. We thought based on, uh, you know, maybe a book we read or maybe something grandma taught. Come on. Whatever. Okay. Not saying even all of it's necessarily wrong, but we're saying this. But in God, all of a sudden, our minds are made different. And in the world, walking as the world, we were incapable of making those right, all those right choices. But in God, it's different now. Are you still with me? All right. So he goes on, verse 18, and he says this. Having their understanding, talking about those outside, those of the Gentile, those without God, having their understanding darkened, having their, their thought life, all right, darkened. It just means confused, blurred, or clouded, okay? But said this, being alienated from the life of God. Alienated. The word alienated means uh, estranged. That means to literally be a non-participant. Now, I'm going to say this. Having your mind set on the wrong thing does not separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But having wrong thoughts can separate you from the life of God. It's a different ballgame. Okay? That word life, again, means the abundant life. It's talking about the Zoe life, absolute life, the life of God. Amen. The life you're called to. Amen. So we have a lot of Christians. Come on now. Not here to pick on nobody. But we have a lot of Christians who still want to think like they used to think in the world, even though they have the greater one on the inside, even though they're born again, a new creation in Christ, heaven bound. Amen. We're not taking away any of that from you. But still thinking on the wrong thought keeps you a not, as a non-participant of the life of God. See, it's all based on where we set our minds. Still with me? That's why we want to renew our minds to the Word of God, to the ways of God, the principles of God. Amen. That's why we want to think like He thinks. That's why we want to have our thoughts line up with His thoughts. Still with me? Think about this, okay? He says, I want to give you a future and an expected and a hope. Amen. But your thinking says, well, you just don't understand where I came from. You don't understand how I was raised. Or you don't understand uh, my, my predicament. 
or you don't understand uh, the situation I have to deal with right now. What does that have to do with your future? But if you don't watch it, it'll dictate your future because your mindset on it. Again, and I have to, you know, I guess as the preacher man, sometimes you got to keep, keep saying these things over and over again. Come on, somebody. We are not making light of your situation. We ain't, we ain't trying to act like, you know, it's not really there. Come on. We know what you're going through. We understand there's situations going on. But what we're trying to help you with is if you will attach yourself to a realm of possibility, you might be amazed at what you conquer and overcome. You might be amazed at where you go in God, amen, and tap into your future, praise God, in God, just based on the fact that you're setting your mind set on things above. They become a non-participant. Be an alienated from the life of God because, literally because, it says, of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Everybody say ignorance. And nobody wants to be called ignorant. Nobody does. Not you, not me, not nobody. But he's talking about people that can be ignorant of what, what they have. Now, Somebody said, uh, you know, years ago I heard a statement, and, and it's pretty common, that ignorance is bliss. And, um, you know, I know the thought behind it. I understand whether, you know, sometimes I just don't want to know some things. So, you know, but uh, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is a prison. And the enemy's hoping you stay ignorant. Hoping that you stay unlearned, it means. Hoping that you stay unaware hoping that you stay unfamiliar to what's yours, staying unacquainted with what you have in God. He's hoping that you stay removed from that. Because if you stay removed from that, then you be still become and you still walk as a non-participant of the life of God. Still with me. Amen. So he wants to see that you're ignorant. Now, um, years ago, the Spirit of God brought uh, to my attention that ignorance is a doorway for the enemy. And we know, you know, Hosea 4 brings out that my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Amen. Uh, Isaiah 5 brings out that my people are in captivity because of a lack of knowledge. So being, you know, ignorant of, of truth, being ignorant of who you are, ignorant of God's ways is a prison. And all it does is gives the enemy a place. Spirit of God told me yesterday, he said this, ignorance is the enemy's playground. He's counting on you being ignorant of something. And the more ignorant you are of things, the more he has a heyday. Now you know as well as I do that the, the mind is really the place of battle. It's, the, you know, it's up there in the head. Uh, between the ears where we have a tendency to have a lot of warfare going on. Come on. And the enemy wants it that way. That's how he operates. The word says not to be ignorant of his devices. The word devices there means uh, head games, head trips, mental attack. Amen. That's how he works. Keep you, amen, playing up here. And the more ignorant you are, the more of a heyday he has. So, Look at your neighbor and say, no more ignorance. Look at your other neighbor and say, no more ignorance. 
Amen. So we're going to have to we're going to have to renew our minds to things. Amen. All right. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, I want to go. Uh, Micah, put it on Psalm 78, if you will. In fact, you got your Bibles. Let's turn to Psalm 78. What we have, well, let me just read it. And this is the, uh, talking about the children of Israel. After, of course, they came out of, out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, the Scripture calls it. And it says this, how often they, talking about the children of Israel, now he's talking about his own people, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Everybody say, they limited God. Now, we can limit God. So, it says this, they did not remember, verse 42, they did not remember His power. The day when He redeemed them from the enemy. Okay, this still holds true to you and me. Okay, they were not mindful. They did not remember that what they were not mindful of what God. Now they, you know, we would look at their their situation and we think, well, what? I mean, a bunch of dinglings. What? I mean, come on. I mean, all they have to do is walk outside their tent. And they see, a, literally, they see a pillar of fire by night or a pillar of cloud by day. I mean, my goodness. I mean, the, the sea parted. They all go across on dry land. I mean, on dry land. They didn't, I mean, even if the sea would have parted, you would think at least they'd be going across in mud. But somehow or another, he not only parts the sea, he, man, here's some, it dries the ground. They go across on dry ground. They get over the other side. Oh, no, here there comes the enemy. Woo! You all saw the movie, right? Anyway, so here comes the enemy, all right, barreling down on them. And what happens? And, you know, God closes in the sea and no more enemy. They start singing and dancing, singing on the green tamarind, beating on that baby. And they sing a song of deliverance, praise the Lord. And a few minutes later, they're thinking, are you hungry? I'm hungry. You know, I wish we were back in Egypt. Because at least back there, I could get a hamburger. Well, we all know what happened. They, you know, rains down manna. For those that don't know, manna just means what is it? Okay, it's a substance, obviously, right? Proteins and amino acids and everything that you need to survive. Whatever. What is it? So they're sitting there playing with their food, trying to figure out what it is. Somebody, just like always, somebody takes a bite. And go, ooh, you try it. Now, anyway, they all realize it was okay to eat. Right? They boo-hoo a little later. Man, am I, are you thirsty? I'm thirsty. Man, I'm thirsty. Ah, man, I wish we were back in Egypt. At least back there we had water. Hits a rock, right? 
instructs Moses what to do, and all of a sudden water pours out of a rock. Now, for whatever it's worth, it, it wasn't just like 12 people. There was 12 tribes. And each tribe had as many hundreds of thousands of people in each tribe. Not even just, now, you know, that adds up. Most scholars agree there's probably a couple million people here. So there's not only enough manna coming down and enough water pouring out of a rock to feed a couple million and to, and to give drink to a couple million. But then we got all the livestock. I mean, you just start thinking about all, the, all of the supply that God was bringing. We still get upset. He brings quail in in the morning, quail in in the evening. I mean, we got food, we got water, we got protection. We have light at night with a pillar of fire. At any given time, anybody could go out to the edge of the town, to the tent of meeting, to actually have, amen, fellowship with God. Nobody would take them up on it. Moses went out there. Joshua went out there. But everybody else would go back to their tents. So I'm just going to make a statement here. You know, where are you setting your mind? Because if you don't watch it, you know, if you don't take that thought captive, it'll take you captive. And if you don't watch that thought, pretty soon it'll take up camp. And next time it ain't going to be just a single little thought you're going to deal with. Because I have found out that one bad thought always bumps into another bad thought and we have puppies. And then it, we got more to deal with. Now, here's what the scripture says that happened. And later you can go back in Psalms 106. It brings out, I don't think, I don't, did I give you the Psalms? I did not give you, but anyway, it says this, okay, that they despised the pleasant land. This is Psalms 106, verse 24 and 25. You can write that down. They despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Now, what you have here is a progression of things, okay? And it's what happens when you start putting your mind and your thoughts where they, where they shouldn't be, especially in a deal like this, okay? They limited God. Why? Because they, they were not mindful. They didn't remain mindful of what God had already done for them. So what happens is pretty soon they begin to despise or literally it means to reject what God's already trying to do. They don't even believe what He has to say anymore. Now listen, all you have to do is go to Hebrews, spend the time through the book of Hebrews, and you find out the children of Israel, how they walked in rebellion, disobedience. Uh, they, they, uh, you know, they rejected what He said. Come on, somebody. And the whole time we're talking about a God that right, you know, they could any given time could look out their tent, see a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud, depending on night or day. They see water pouring out of a rock. Substance falls to the ground every day called manna. Quail run through the... the the camp, you know, in the morning and run through the camp at night. So everybody's got plenty. Come on, somebody. How do you explain all that? 
and yet they would reject it. The scriptures are clear, okay, from Mount Horeb where they were called to worship. In fact, when Moses went uh, uh, to Egypt to bring his, to God's people back, he says, I'm calling my people unto me to worship me at, Mount, at my Mount, or Mount Horeb, okay? So he went into Egypt, told Pharaoh, let God's people go, right? You've heard the song. Anyway, let my people go. So anyway, they're called, they're, they're supposed to come unto the Mount to worship God. And the word says this, that from Mount Horeb to the promised land was 11 days. 11 days. 11 days that turned into 40 years. And the scriptures are clear. It's because they limited him. They rejected him. And you think, well, who in their right mind would do that? Exactly. And it starts with thoughts. And it's no different than you and me. We get, we get mindful of things we shouldn't be. Remember uh, last week, I think we used the illustration of when um, Peter got, uh, had a good statement. You know, he says, uh, you know, who do men say that I am? Well, you know, some say this, some say, well, well, who, who do you say that I am? He said, well, you're the Christ, the son of a living God. Woo! Man, Jesus go, way to go, Peter. Woo! That's my boy. Right? You get what? A few verses later? I mean, just a few verses. And we don't know the exact time frame, but it ain't very long. Okay? And Jesus is explaining about the price that was going to have to be paid. Now listen, higher thoughts. Here we go. Amen. I'm going to lay down my life, and on the third day I'm going to be resurrected. And Peter goes, whoa, breaks. Hold it. Dude. We are not about to let that happen. And Jesus looked at him, and I bet he's waiting for another pat on the Peter. I love you, man. Thank you for having my back. He said, get behind me, Satan. Could you imagine he's thinking, dude. Remember? Remember? Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. In other words, you're more moved by these natural things. He says, you've you got to set your mind up higher, dude. You can't be locked in down here because you're going to make some real dumb decisions. And so the same thing happened here with the children of Israel. It was no different. They weren't mindful of what, I mean, how could you not say God couldn't provide? How could you for one second say, I want to go back to the house of bondage. I want to go back to Egypt and be a slave. Woo! That's what I want. They do it all the time, don't they? And if you really get down to it, it's just down to this one simple thing. It's based on where we set our mind. Remember the good old days? No. No, I don't. <laughs> no, sorry. <clears throat> Wrong thought. Right? 
See, you start thinking back there, pretty soon you start thinking, you know, Egypt's better. There's higher thoughts. And if you begin to tap the higher thoughts, you tap a realm of possibility. Hey, Dad, if I could get you to believe here. Work with me, son. Work with me. Okay? We can get your boy hole. All right? Work with me. All right? Because if you don't, can't help you. If you can believe all things are possible to those who believe. So I got to get you to set your mind on something bigger than what you're thinking right now. Because all you want to do is be in a place of pity because of what you're going through. Or a place of regret for what you went through. Or a place of shame or embarrassment because of mistakes you made. And the whole time there was a price paid. You don't have to think them thoughts anymore. You don't have to go down that road anymore. That is not who you are. You are not your history. You are not your past. You are not your mistake. You are not that person back there. You are a new creation in Christ. Come on. You got to set your mind on those things. Amen. Or you war with it, and then you start doing what the children of Israel did. They start despising what God's already doing. Pretty soon they're no longer even believing what he said. And then comes the use, not only because it, it never just stays in the head. It's inevitable. It comes out your mouth pretty soon. And pretty soon you really show everybody how smart you are. Right? Because you think on it long enough, pretty soon it sinks down in your heart. Now the abundance of heart, your mouth speaks. So they go back to their tents, and you know they all did it in the tents because everybody knows you don't say these things in church. But soon as, you know, we're kind of away from that area. We get in the car and we go, dear God, really? Huh? How come? What about? Oh my. Ah, mm. Right? Somebody says, Oh, Pastor, stop picking on us. Listen. He says, Don't think for one second. This is what Hebrews 12 tells us. Don't think that what happened to them won't happen to you. That's new covenant. That ain't even old covenant anymore. That's new covenant. It says, don't think that what happened to them wouldn't happen to you. So you want to turn your 11-day, you know, mild moment into a 40-year excursion? Who's up for that? But we sit, we set our minds on things. Pretty soon we're despising what God has already done. Pretty soon we're more concerned on, on some mess back there or something we're going through instead of focusing on the fact that God has delivered you and will continue to deliver you. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. Pretty soon we're not even believing what he says. 
And you'll lie to the preacher man when he says, how many believers in the house today? And you all go, yeah, amen. How many believers do we have in the house today? So that means we're going to have to believe something. Well, pastor, you just don't, no, 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 no. Again, we're not denying you have things to work through. You got something you're dealing with or something that's happening right now. You're going through something. But you set your mind on higher things and you watch what God will do. Amen. You tap into a realm of possibility. You leave that realm of limits alone, praise God. You don't need any more limits. You got enough of that mess. Come on, somebody. Instead, you tap on, tap in to what's available unto you, and all of a sudden, there are no more limits, praise God. All things are possible. But you're going to have to set your mind on higher things because what you set your mind on determines Actions determines words, determines a lifestyle, determines things. Just what you set your mind on. Set your mind on things above. Well, Pastor, I don't feel. Set your mind on things. Well, you just don't. Set your mind on things above. Well, I need to speak. I need to get something off my chest. I need to get something off my mind. Nobody needs a piece of your mind. You know, there's some things I was grateful I said that nobody was around to hear it. <laughs> but words are words and they produce things. And so you got to keep your mindset on things above so that your words, your actions, remember, uh, you know, everything, the issues of life, everything all comes out of the heart of man. And you sit and you meditate on something long enough, it sinks down in your heart. Pretty soon, it's a part of you. That's why you got, and see, listen, that's why he addressed the fact they went back to their tents and murmured. They griped. Somebody says, well, now, wait a minute. That's my bedroom, King's X. What I say in my bedroom, hey, that's my bedroom. That's, a, that's just for me and no, me and my spouse, whatever. That don't mean nothing. It does too mean something. And if you say it doesn't mean something, it's because you don't believe in an unseen realm. So you start thinking now why it is so important to set your mind on things above. Because now I'm going to begin to talk that. And I tap a realm of possibility, even though right now I don't see in that realm, but I tap that realm and it begins to bring change into this realm. Listen, the unseen realm is what changes the seen realm because everything in the seen realm is subject to change. That's what the word says. Everything's subject to change. It all can change. It's not permanent, but it says what's in that unseen realm is. And if you tap that, it then it begins to affect the seen realm Amen. And begin to change this. So the unseen realm affects the seen realm or alters the seen realm. But get this. The seen realm is what initiates the unseen realm. That's where you come in. 
Because you have to determine what you're going to think about. You have to determine what you're going to hook up with, talk, communicate, and think about. You do. Is anybody glad they came out on a Sunday morning? I'm glad you came out on a Sunday morning. Now listen, we're not, again, we're not picking on anybody. But for somewhere, somewhere along the line, we have a tendency to lose sight of what God has already done. Has anybody ever had God do something for them? All three of you. Has anybody in this room ever had God do anything for them? Anybody ever been healed? Anybody ever had a breakthrough? Anybody ever had uh, experienced provision? Anybody ever experienced something in their marriage or their family? God do something on their behalf concerning something, even though they didn't deserve any of it. But God still, still did something for you. Now, so, is anybody in this house heaven bound? So, that would mean you got saved. And I happen to know a few of you. And yet, he still saved you. Now, I know I'm kind of being a little funny with that, but sometimes I think we just lose sight and we don't stay mindful of all that God has done, all that He's doing. We get so locked up into a seen realm to the point it starts dictating. And pretty soon, we're not only despising what God's already done, we're not, we're, we're not only uh, rejecting what He says, now we're murmuring and we're griping and we're complaining and giving place to the devil just with our words. We're saying, devil, come on in and ransack my life. Now, I know um, some teachings people put out there that the children of Israel were supposed to be in the wilderness 40 years. They were not. He made that clear. But they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And the generation, the first generation there died off. Second generation gets to go in and get their promised land. So I don't want to be a part of some generation that just falls by the wayside and becomes fertilizer in a desert. Is there anybody else in this room thinks the same way? I'd rather be a part of a generation that goes in and takes their promised land. Amen. Takes what's been offered. Remember, it's promised. Okay? So it comes down to this. What are you mindful of? What are you setting your mind on? And if it's where it shouldn't be, then let's change it. Okay, last verse, and then I'll let you go home. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Let's just put verse 5 up there. Kind of coming in the middle of a statement, but it's, it, it's the 
Amen. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If it says bring every thought into captivity, it means you can. Now, it does take discipline, doesn't it? Because we're, we're used to thinking a certain way. So, but you have to, you know, if it says you can bring every thought into captivity, then we can bring every thought into captivity. A key word that's used, uh, both Old Covenant and New Covenant, a word called meditate, okay? The word meditate, like it talks about meditating the word day and night, and that just means in the good times and the bad times, you meditate the word, amen? Uh, Philippians 4 is a good verse. Uh, verse 8 in there talks about meditate on that which is pure and noble and just and lovely and perfect and of good report. Be anything praiseworthy, uh, you know, anything of virtue. Meditate on these things, right? You meditate on these. If you're going to meditate on something, meditate on these things, okay? Now, the point being is that you take every thought captive. The word meditate means to literally to take and to revolve it before your mind's eye. What God is asking us to do is start taking the thoughts that you're thinking right there, take that thought, lift it up, and hold it up and say, is that really something I want to think about? Is that really worth thinking about? And if it is, you hang on to it. If it ain't, you chuck it. Put that verse 5 up there again, if you will. All right? Cast down arguments. The word arguments there is a word that means everything from reasoning, uh, literally imaginations, wrong imaginations, okay? There's nothing wrong with the imagination if it's used right. But he's talking about things here, dealing with stuff that come up that shouldn't be there. And every high thing, everything that tries to elevate itself or exalt itself against the, the knowledge of God, the ways of God, the principles of God. So he's talking about here all those things that try to literally elevate themselves and say, hey, think on me. Put your mind on me. And if it ain't something that should be thought about, then it's time. Take that thought into captivity, praise God. Cast down what needs to be cast down. And that word literally means to lower with violence. You have got to get serious about this. Now, he is not going to tell us to get that serious about taking every thought captive if it wasn't important. Do I sound like I'm too tense tonight? Y'all look at me like, deer in, a, you know, in front of the lights or something here. You know? But that's important. It's important for us to take thoughts captive. Well, you know, I tell you, what about the, hold it. You know, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. No, there you go. Well, you know, I wish God would. Oh. Nope, I don't want to talk about that one either. Somebody say, well, Pastor, if I do that, I ain't never going to have anything to say. <laughs> well, yeah, that should tell us something. Somebody say, well, no wonder I've been cruising around in the wilderness. No wonder this mess has been hanging on. No wonder this stuff don't change. Well, Pastor, if I, if I start just thinking those thoughts that are, you know, noble and just, people are going to think I'm weird. Well, you know, they already do. 
Because you're no longer of this realm. You're no longer of this world. And you are going to talk different. And you're going to think different. And you're going you're to have different results. If you do this right, you'll have the results that every one of them want. And then they come up and they say, hey, wait a minute. How come all this stuff's happening for you? You say, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me show you how it works. Amen. Starts with a decision for Jesus. You make a decision for him, and then you start thinking like he thinks. Take those thoughts. Amen. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. That give you a future. Amen. And an expected end. Instead of this mess you've been living. Come on, somebody. You may know what I'm talking about. So set your mind on things above. And if a thought isn't right, come on. If you've got some other thought that isn't right, then you cast that thing down. Say, I refuse to think on that. Refuse to meditate on that. Somebody says, well, Pastor, what do I meditate on? On things above. So the Word, God's principles, if anything, even like we talked about, if anything, you at least become mindful of what God has done. Some of you have had too many things that God has done for you to be in doubt and unbelief. God's shown himself strong. You've seen deliverance. You've seen provision. You've seen breakthroughs. You've gotten answers. God showed you things by the Spirit. There are things that you've walked in that nobody else in your family ever walked in, but you had the goal to believe God, and whoa, look what God did. So we have no business going down some doubt and unbelief road to where you now go home murmur, griping, and complaining. Flush that mess. Still with me? Amen. Did you get something today? Give the Lord praise. Come on. Why don't you all stand up? Come on now. Praise the Lord. I always got more. I mean, I do. I always got more. <laughs> so we better just stop right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. For the higher things. The higher ways, for your word, for the things you've done, for the things you're doing, and even by faith for the things we know you're about to do. Father, we give thanks. Hallelujah. We ask, Lord, forgive us for the time we let our minds go down the wrong road. But we know that you're faithful and you are just to forgive, and we receive that. We thank you for that. We choose to set our minds on things above. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for these principles, for these truths. We give you honor, and we give you thanks. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.